The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere, and it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Marinak. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Marinak. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. But like we do with all our guests, we want to learn first about his background. Bill Bookout is our guest today. Bill is the founding member of the National Animal Supplement Council, serving as president from 2002 to May 2012, returning as president in February 2014, and continuing as chairman of the board of directors of the nonprofit organization. Bill was president of Genesis Limited, a company he founded in 1999 that provided both feed and health products for companion animals. In March 2012, Genesis was acquired by Kemen Industries, a privately held family-owned company that has nearly 1,500 employees and operates in more than 90 countries. Bill was vice president of global sales at Kemen before reassuming the role of NASC president. Mr. Bookout has been selected by Health Canada to serve on the Expert Advisory Committee for Veterinary Natural Health. Prior to founding Genesis, he spent 15 years in the human medical device company and animal health industries, including executive positions with Medics Chemical, Medics Medical, I should say, the All Care Animal Referral Center, especially Referral Veterinary Hospital, and Animed International, and was director of sales and marketing for MarkQuest Medical Products. Mr. Bookout received his bachelor's degree in physical sciences from the University of Wyoming and an MBA from Pepperdine University. Bill Bookout, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. We've got plenty of time, and we're going to dig into the NASC and, and, and all the great things you guys are doing there. But let's dig in a little bit more about Bill Bookout. So University of Wyoming, the Cowboys, known for their mascot, Cowboy Joe and Pistol Pete, what took you there initially? <laughs> Born and raised in Wyoming, Bill, were you? Yeah, southeast Wyoming. I come from a little town of Wheatland. I grew up on a ranch in, in southeast Wyoming, and... You know, it's uh, Wyoming. I, no matter where I travel, Wyoming is home. That's pretty cool because I, you know, you've got you've got a couple of famous alums like Dick Cheney and Jay Novacek with the Cowboys, but nobody compares to Bill Bookout. How you like that? <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, David. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll certainly say you got me. You got me lumped in with pretty uh, elite company. I'll try to live up to that billing. There you go. We won't have any problem with that. So let's go back a little bit about uh, looking at MarQuest. You were the director of sales and marketing with MarQuest Medical Products. Tell us a little bit about them. What did they make and what did they sell? Yeah, MarQuest Medical was um, my first job in the, in the medical device and drug industry. Uh, MarQuest Medical was the market share leader in arterial blood gas syringe products. We also had cardiovascular and other respiratory anesthesia products, and I... You know, I was a sales rep. I I came from, you know, a small town in Wyoming to a sales territory in Phoenix, Arizona, managed right. a three-state region, and then uh, came back to Denver in a, in a marketing spot and then progressed to director of sales and marketing for, for MarQuest. And MarQuest, uh, again, still thriving today? Have you had interaction with them? Are they still kind of out there doing their thing? Yeah, so as in many other industries, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions, and that's certainly true in the medical device business. So MarQuest was acquired uh, a couple different times. It was acquired by uh, uh, General Electric and then uh, um, Vital Signs. And so, yeah, MarQuest became uh, a division of 
a larger company, and but it is is still a, a GE business unit today. You know, I think it's interesting because that's where I heard the name from because GE has a very, very healthy presence here in Cleveland, Ohio, where we're based out of. And um, and, and GE is just that 900-pound gorilla that's out there. But, boy, when, they, when they've got their hands on something in a company, you know, like they've said from the beginning back with Jack, Jack Welsh, he wants to be number one or number two in anything he touches. And MarQuest has, has had a pretty decent run there um, for a long time. Yeah, they sure have. And Jack Welch was a great... You know, a great guy, great leader. You know, one of the one of the Jack Welch quotes I always remember is "Begin with the end in mind." Yeah. And so, uh, Mark West was really a great foundation and entry point for me in the business world. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I kind of look back, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, you know, to to you and I, you know, fifteen twenty years ago. Goodness gracious, how how the the life of a sales and marketing guy uh, has really changed. Even being a, a traditional sales rep, like we both started out as. I mean, goodness, you know, we were driving as far as a tank of gas would take us. Um, we, we didn't have the Internet, if you will. We were knocking on doors. Um, and, you know, at, at any place that would, you know, we could pitch our stuff. And it's just amazing how far sales and marketing has really changed and in, in, in now in current days. Oh, it's, it's funny you mention that, David, because, you know, you're so right. And I think, you know, as we go forward in time from the mid-'80s when I, when I started in business, I think about, you know, I had the old clunky cell phone that was in a, a suitcase that sat oh, yeah. in the console of my car, and I had, you know, a, a hundred minutes for a, a crazy amount of money. So now with cell phones and the Internet, I think the important point is, you know, it, 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 we live in a very dynamic marketplace, no matter what segment we participate in, and that gives... Right rise and the need for companies to continually look at ways to reinvent themselves and certainly the brand is a very important component of that. You know, when you were mentioning the early days of the cell phones, I, and I know you can relate to this too, I remember the rolls of quarters driving up to the pay phones at the gas station, the ones that were kind of like at car height, you know, like where you just roll your window down and pick up the phone. And we'd sit there for, you know, I don't know how long to make our calls and I mean, goodness gracious, it's just, man, how time has changed. Crazy. Oh, it's funny. Brings back a, a, a kind of a funny story. I was, I was in a hospital one time, and I, I was talking to a customer, and I was also talking to the home office. So I literally was in a bank of cell phones with two phones going at the same time, <laughs> talking to corporate on one phone and relaying information to a customer on the other phone. I wish oh, yeah. I had a video of that. It would probably be on YouTube today under, uh, you know, the funniest moments in the life of a sales representative. Oh, and those phones were like bricks, you know. They were like five-pound bricks that you held on one side, and you tried to you tried to hold one up with your with your head to your shoulder, and the other one you hold up with your hand. Yeah. And goodness gracious, it was it was chaos. It was nuts. Oh, exactly right. Yeah, it, it it's funny, you know. You think about cell phones and technology today. Essentially, you have you know a mini computer in your handheld device that does yeah. you manage your life. I mean, where would we be today without? cell phones, right? Incredible. Incredible. So I know you had a, uh, a little time at Medex, and then I really want, or Animat, I should say, and then it was Medex, but I really yeah. want to kind of touch a little bit about your your baby, the Genesis Limited, before, back in the day, before you even had the NASC in your mind. Let's talk a little bit about what Genesis Limited did back in those days. Yeah, so quick story, you know, I was raised in Wyoming, as we talked about, and I had dogs my whole life. I had two Black Labs, and, they, you know, they were the love of my life. I had a male and a female, Lance and Cinder. And I was in the medical device business, and I had a lab that developed hip dysplasia. And, you know, when she was seven years old, she could barely walk. And I, you know, I was, I was looking for help with my own dog. And so I had two total hip replacements on her, and I made a transition. I got out of human health care and went into animal care, where I was CEO for a very large specialty animal referral clinic, and then at 11 years old, I had a male lab who developed cancer. Oh, and he man. was given a very short prognosis. You know, we treated him. We had, you know, removed the tumor, 15 treatments of radiation therapy. But when he was 11 and a half years old, it came back. And this time, I work at one of the leading veterinary hospitals in, in, in the U.S. And I had no option with my own dog. And he was given three months to live. And so I was looking for help with you know, for my own dog. And, right, you know, right. I met a veterinarian. I started Genesis Limited, you know, selling the products that had helped my own dog. And he lived two and a half years, good quality of life, which wasn't long enough, but I was very thankful. 
And so it's really a passion for me, and that's how I got into the business. So being in this business, it was certainly a transition from human medicine to animal care. Right. But it's, it's, it's an industry and a, and, a, and a cause that I'm very passionate about because it makes a difference in the lives of millions of animals every single day. You know, and it's interesting, you know, just I've looked at several different companies over the years and, and, and we're fortunate to work with many in um, that, that are actually members of the NASC, which we're going to get into in a little bit and really dig into that. But so many of those companies, just like you were talking about Genesis, were founded by personal experience. It was either a pet that got sick, like you were saying, or or you couldn't find help for that pet. And, and it was out of frustration and out of sheer determination, you were like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to just sit here um, and, and just allow other pets to or other animals to kind of suffer. Uh, I'm going to try to make a difference. And, and that's really what I, what I see looking at uh, Genesis back in those days. It was. And our goal as a company was to provide products to people who were just like me. You know, their dog, I live vicariously it was my dog you know sure and our goal was to help provide products that would extend their quality and quantity of life to the maximum degree possible and it was a very rewarding experience and and at heart i'm basically an entrepreneur i've started three companies you know over my career nasc genesis being two of the three and you know it's just it's just very rewarding but you're right it comes from personal experience and passion and i think those those are really differentiators with leaders in any business Absolutely. And, and when was it, were you, did they, was, was, was Kemen had, had kind of reached out to Genesis or was it Genesis? How did that whole acquisition, because that's a difficult process. I mean, I know it's, everybody sent, tends to look, and I know you'll agree with me, everybody looks at the, the end result. Well, I, I built a company and sold a company and that's great. But a lot right. of that being that it's your baby, that's, that's got to be an emotional gut-wrenching time for you to kind of deal with and, and, and be absorbed by a much bigger company. Oh, it, totally. And, and that was really a greater consideration for us. I, I, I never started the business, or I never did it for the money. You know, I did right. it to make a difference. And you're right. You breathe the breath of life into a company, yeah. and it does. It becomes your baby. You're very passionate about it. And, you know, it's just impossible to disconnect. So, you know, when I started Genesis in 1999, I ran into regulatory and, and supply chain issues, and I founded NASC in 2001 because I didn't want to be perceived as a company that was selling snake oil. I mean, these products right. had had a tremendous impact on my life, our dog's life. And through that experience of both founding Genesis as well as the National Animal Supplement Council, you know, I became acquainted or Kim and Big became acquainted with us at that time. And, you know, that's how... That's how, through that association, uh, developed, and it later led to the acquisition of our company, Genesis, in 2012. And when that all goes down, for those of our listeners, we've got listeners from all across the country that that love these stories because it's um, you know you're you're touching on the personal side of dealing with 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 animals, which and and then of course the the human side of of dealing with um, you know the the acquisition and all that kind of stuff. How long of a process does that normally take? I mean, you guys began the courting uh, process. And was it done? And you know, was it done fairly quickly? Is it? Is it? How does that work? Because I would imagine there's a lot of legal maneuvers back and forth that it, it just doesn't happen overnight. Oh sure, yeah. Um, you know, it's always. I mean, when a company is acquired, especially a smaller company being acquired by a larger organization, there are many factors that are involved in that. There's the horse, meaning the products and the profitability right. and the P and L and the balance sheet and all the financials, and then there's the jockey. So, you know, who is the driver and passionate leader of that business? Because you want to build on that successful foundation. So for the people that are listening, I guess from an experience standpoint, you know, cultural integration and rationalization of especially a smaller company like ours, where it's your heart and soul, your baby and your life, um, I would suggest that it's the, um, the, the most important consideration is you want to be sure personally that is the right decision for you, your customers, which have become friends over the years. And it's more than just about the money. How long does it take? Um, you know, we, it was probably a year process from the time Kim and we became acquainted with Kim and started talking to Kim and, and then finally concluded the acquisition or completed the acquisition. 
You know, it's interesting. One of the things I'm thinking about um, with all this going down, and we're going to want to try to wrap this up with a nice little pretty bow, and then we're going to dig into the NASC. But, you know, what do you think has, you know, looking back, and again, I may be just looking back over the, over the you know, from the time that you kind of started Genesis, your time you sold it, what do you think, Bill Bookout, what do you think is the, really was the, had the most, what most had the most profound impact on the business community as well? Was it the internet? You know, I just look at, and one of the, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking back to how much has changed from the days that we got into business to today. And I just think, what was that, what was that major thing that kind of changed the world, if you will, out there? And I got to believe the internet was one of it. Um, I know that a lot of things change in the infrastructure, a lot of these third world countries that now aren't necessarily third world, I, I should say. But anything out there, if you were looking back um, that that and there's no right or wrong answer, but looking back of something that had this profound impact on on the industry itself. Yeah, very very good question. I think again to go back to the Jack Welch analogy, I think there are a couple lessons from that. Begin with the end in mind. I think anybody who starts a company that thinks, well, I'm going to start a company, I'm going to build it up and sell it for a bundle of money, I, I don't think that's the right motivation to start Correct. a company. I agree. I think that. You, I think the financial rewards are an, are an inevitable outcome of doing the right things right. Right. In, in terms of game changers, in our business, in our particular segment, certainly the Internet and the ability to reach out, touch, and educate the ultimate customer, which is someone with a dog or a cat or a horse, reach out and educate them and and truly give them information that they can make a more informed decision about the health and care of their animal throughout their life. That was really, that, that's really, if I could identify a single game changer, I think that would be it. Boy, I think you're right on. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking with our friend Bill Bookout, President, Chairman of the Board of the NASC, National Animal Supplement Council. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. the Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel, from maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Dr. Gladney Radio Show every week for enlightening, provocative, real conversations, advice, and tips that you can use to improve your life. If you feel overwhelmed, confused, stressed, or lost in the cycle of life, this is the show for you. Dr. Gladney and her guests will help you repair, manage, and create an amazing life. No topic is off limits and is discussed with real solutions on our show. That's the Dr. Gladney Radio Show, live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. 
Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you would like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now back to Ditch the Box. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ditch the Box, talking with our friend Bill Bookout, President, Director, Chairman of the Board, NASC, National Animal Supplement Council. So let's, let me tell you a little bit more about this incredible organization. Members of the National Animal Supplement Council are concerned and committed manufacturers of animal health supplements across the globe. Together, they endeavor to improve the quality of these products sold to consumers for the benefit of their horses, cats, dogs, and other companion animals. NESC's overriding goal is to promote the health and well-being of non-human food chain animals that are given animal health supplements by their owners and to protect and enhance the integrity of the animal health product industry. The cornerstone of NESC's mission is to work cooperatively with state, federal, and international government officials to create a legislative and regulatory environment that provides a framework that is fair, reasonable, responsible, and nationally consistent, such as environment of safety, accuracy and quality serves the interests of the NASC's members by ensuring that the ethical manufacturing and labeling practices are complied with throughout the industry. All NASC members are required to undergo a rigorous independent audit of their facilities. Upon completion of this audit, members are then able to display the NASC seal of quality to show consumers they are committed to the highest current standards of quality in the industry. Through its diverse member-directed activities, NASC brings about understanding among manufacturers, retailers, distributors, federal and state regulators, veterinarians, the media, and animal owners about the importance of safe, high-quality products for the health and well-being of companion animals. Now, folks, from a personal experience, the NASC is legit and really concerned not only about the supply chain regarding the manufacturing and marketing of animal health supplements, but in their heart of hearts, they want what is best for animals which in and of itself is incredibly refreshing. So let's start there, Bill. I know you talked a little bit about Lance and Cinder. So that really kind of gave us the background, if you will, you know, for your kind of wanting to start and found the NASC. Is there anything else you want to kind of add to that, or does that kind of give you a, give our audience a pretty good background on why, you know, Bill Bookout really was inspired to start the NASC? Yeah, well, when I started, when I started Genesis, David, um, you know, I, ca- I came from the human medical device and drug business, a highly right. regulated industry. I was used to working with FDA, you know, to get product rules and things. And the simple fact is the regulatory environment for animal supplements is different than the environment for human dietary supplements. And I made a mistake. I misassessed the regulatory environment. Now, who would you think would be more knowledgeable or better positioned to understand the regulatory environment than Bill Bookout? That was my background. That's what I did, right? <laughs> right Wrong. Right. I made a mistake. Wow. And so in 2001, many of the ingredients, there's no category for dietary supplements for animals. So many of the ingredients are not recognized 
And, you know, products that are common every day, things like uh, products that contain glucosamine or chondroitin or MSM, hyaluronic acid, um, those products are not, they don't, have a, they don't have a regulatory category. And so there was a publicly announced initiative that these products were going to begin, they were going to be removed from the marketplace. And there were some things that happened, you know, that if products contained ingredients that were not approved for use in animal food, they were beginning to be removed. And so here I am. I decide to take the entrepreneurial role, start my oh, own yeah. business, make a difference in the lives of dogs and cats, and I, I run into a snag or an obstacle, right? So obstacles are opportunities. Sure are. So we, we started NASC to try to co- cooperatively and constructively deal with the issue and establish a self-regulatory framework that was driven by people in the industry because who knows what the best parameters are for responsible conduct and people are actually in the industry, right? That's right, yeah. So we started with, um, I'll never forget, we had a meeting in Chicago, April 1st and 2nd of 2002, and we started with 26 companies. And we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to engage FDA. We're going to define good manufacturing practice standards. We're going to have supply chain management programs. We're going to have adverse event reporting. We're going to have claims that are truthful and substantiated and not false and misleading to pet owners. And we're going to get the majority of the industry involved and the regulators are going to buy into it and we're going to do great things. Now, if I'd have said that to anybody in the industry or anybody listening at that time, I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Who's with me? You would very think everybody would. Really? Well, very few people. Everybody said, do you think you can really pull this off? I mean, how are you going to engage the government meaning, you know, the regulatory people, yeah. and work successfully and cooperatively. That's a, a lot that was, you know, perceived as a long shot. But we had 18 companies out of 26 that really comprised the foundation of NASC, and they were made up of, you know, principals in the company that were strategic sure. visionary business leaders. Yeah. And that was really the platform where NASC was launched from. And, uh, and I said there were 26 Sorry, I said there were 26 companies involved. The, the other companies that didn't stick with us, there were eight companies that said, you guys are nuts, it'll never work, and we're not with you. Every one of those companies today is no longer in business. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, with all of our accomplishments and engaging in a process of continuous improvement has not only paid dividends for all stakeholders, ultimately the animals, but it's also paid big, big business dividends as well. You know, it's interesting. That's what I was going to really mention was what happened to the eight, but you answered my question, and that's so spot on because, you know, I I see how that kind of plays out. And those companies that aren't willing to kind of look at the whole picture, if you will, like you were just just describing, you know, looking at um, the regulatory uh, setup and and, and dealing with the particular um, good manufacturing processes, um, you know, those and those, and I see it all the time. And if your company's not willing to do that, for heaven's sake, um, no wonder why they're out of business. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and I really categorize the industry in our particular sector. It's comprised of three broad SWAT areas of participants. There are NASC members who are trying to do the right thing, shape the future, and make a difference in this industry. There are a few companies in the industry that are not NASC members, but there are not very many. We represent about 90% of the industry, 135 companies. But there are opportunistic participants in the industry who are quick hit artists or fast buck artists. And the industries get tended to be painted with a broad brush. And those are the people that we want to differentiate the others from. And they really shouldn't be in the industry in the first place. And so through the programs that we've established, and the identity, like the NASC seal, the companies that are involved in NASC and display the seal have made a commitment to quality, they've made a commitment to the industry, and they've made a commitment to making a difference. Yeah, no, no question about it. Now, how does a company become a member of the NASC? Yeah, so a company, the bylaws indicate they have to have a direct interview with me. And so... They call me on the phone, and it usually takes about a half an hour or so. I ask them if they have a website. I look at their products. We only ha- we're only we very narrowly focused. We try to do what we do very well, but we don't try to be all things to all people. So we don't handle complete and balanced diets, and we don't do topicals, at least at this point in time. So we handle supplements for dogs, cats, and horses, and that's our scope. Again, we're very narrowly focused, and we're very 
um, I think, good at what we do. Absolutely. I also look at the claims that companies make, and I talk to them about, you know, what their standards are, and I go over the standards and the requirements for NASC. You cannot just pay your money and join NASC. You have to be accepted, and you have to make a commitment. There's actually a contract that's a code of conduct document that a principal of the organization has to sign, and I go over what the requirements are of membership, and they sign on to that, and and we hold them to those standards, and there are penalties if they don't hit those standards. We can we know we can throw them out of the organization because our credibility is so important. And let's face it, the, the, the NASC seal is really and truly, and this doesn't come from me, this comes from others in the industry, it's like the good housekeeping seal of approval. And if you've got that, you've, you've made, like you said, you've made a commitment. Uh, this is something that, that not only is it the president who's, who's uh, agreeing to do it, it, it goes through every level of an organization, big or small. And, and it's amazing to me how engaged people get when you've got that NASC seal. I mean, that really means something. It, it, it does. And we want to take that message, you know, forward. And that's why we so much appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your audience, you know, to help educate people as to the true meaning of the seal and the commitment that the companies make. You know, it's leadership from the top down. And that's why... We require a principal of the organization to sign on and understand what the standards are and the commitment that they make, because we take that very seriously. And at the end of the day, a rising tide floats all boats. The industry will thrive and be better, and the markets will expand, and everybody will have the opportunity to be successful and successfully participate. And we've also gotten a lot of support you know, from downstream business partners like Petco and PetSmart, which we're very appreciative of you know, in recognition of the NASC seal. And the buyers actually look for and ask NASC, you know, if they have the NASC seal or because they have a higher degree of confidence Absolutely. in the product. They you should. Know, because their customers will then be more satisfied, come back, leverage the visit, buy other things, and tell their friends. You know, at the end of the show, we're going to give out the NASC. It's uh, .cc website. I'll just do it now. But one of the things that's so interesting as I – as I was getting ready for this interview, is you have a running list of things on your website from recalls and um, and 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 I don't want to say well, it's it's news bits and things like that that have to do with the pet industry. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that goodness gracious, the NASC seal of approval. Um, you know, as you were talking about Petco and PetSmart. Goodness gracious, that, that has got to save a tremendous amount of time and heartache for those buyers and those that are involved in the industry itself because you don't have to look very far for problems that happen and manufacturing problems that, that affect you know, animals and get them sick. Um, it's a big deal. It is. And you know, the, some of the information on the website, like recalls and pet food and other things that people should be aware of, it's not just limited to supplements. You know, if you right. look at you know, health and wellness, whether it's ourselves or our animals, it's really a three-dimensional spherical object. Supplements are a component of that, but there are, there are no magic bullets. You right. know, a, a healthy diet, the environment, exercise, all those things that are important for us are equally as important for our animals. And so we try to put out information to pet owners educationally with things that they can be aware of or should be aware of or tips, you know, um, flea and tick control, you know, what to do in the summertime, don't leave your dog in the car. It seems, you know, it, it seems intuitive, but, you know, you hear occasionally that somebody leaves their dog in a hot car and they, they can get heat stroke, you know. So right, right. we try to go beyond just supplements in terms of our educational initiatives and outreach. Yeah, there's a lot of good information for anybody from any level of an organization, even um, those that are not necessarily, they just happen to be pet lovers uh, and animal lovers, because, you know, you see so much good information on the NASC website. It's been, it's been very helpful. Thank you very much. So let's chat a little bit more before we kind of dig into another area of the NASC, but let's talk about what is the adverse event reporting system? What does that mean? Yeah, very good question, and it's really the cornerstone of the NASC compliance program. So our adverse event reporting system is a system that we developed and programmed ourselves. There was no system that was off the shelf that we could buy. It requires every single member to enter their product specifically, including the ingredients per unit of administration, 
into our system, and we now have over 7,000 products, 2,131 ingredients, and over a billion bytes of data in our system. It's the most robust system, I think, probably in the world for dietary supplement-type products for animals. In fact, we've gotten uh, inquiries from the human dietary supplement industry about our, our database. The label is required to be uploaded. And so what that system is, in a, in a nutshell, is an early warning system. Right. So if people remember back in 2007, 2008, when the melamine issue surfaced yeah, for sure pet do. food, yeah. and there were a lot of, you know, a lot of dogs that, that died, actually, from you know, economic adulteration and contamination of melamine cyanuric acid in pet food. And one of the things the pet food industry got challenged on is there, were, there was no early warning system in place. Right. So our system is an early warning system that if something unforeseen were to occur, we could identify it quickly and act on it quickly, either by working with FDA, notifying the company. And we've done that in a couple occasions. Um, you know, salmonella. Yep. We've identified a couple, you know, salmon, events of salmonella contamination. In fact, when the melamine issue occurred, we worked with FDA to help them narrow down and identify grain-based, uh, uh, you know, products, wheat, corn, right. soy, rice, in, in various products that they could help narrow down where the issue was actually coming from. So that's a good example of how we work with the Food and Drug Administration Center for Veterinary Medicine, and we provide information to them that if we can assist with an issue should it arise. Now, thankfully, we haven't had any broad, you know, overarching broad SWAT issues in the supplement industry, um, but we've had a couple things that we identified and dealt with them quickly. So that's a requirement of membership, and it's really one of the cornerstones, the linchpin of our, you know, quality programs. Oh, I can totally see that. Should people give human dietary supplements to their animals? I mean, I've heard a few vets even talk like that. Tell us more. Yeah, I recommend not. And the reason is because, you know, I think, you know, so, uh, there are things that are um, like chocolate, for example. People can eat right. chocolate, but, it, but it's, it's, it can be harmful or fatal to dogs. Yeah, no kidding. So when I was in the clinic, dogs get into an Easter basket, eat, yep. eat, eat a lot of chocolate, and, and they can die. Yep. So I recommend that, company, that people buy products that are formulated by companies with expertise in the area because you want to know that, it's, you know, it's not some human company or buy a human product. And just, I think it's a mistake by veterinarians to make that recommendation. The other thing that I think is important, and I always tell people, if you want to, you know, look for the NASC seal, but don't be afraid to pick up the, comp- pick up the phone, call the company, and ask some questions. Ask wow. who formulated the product. Who can I call and ask a question? If I have a technical question, is there somebody I can speak to? And those seem like things that people just ought to intuitively know, but sometimes are hesitant to take that step and do it. I say, pick up the phone. Yeah, it makes a, and that makes a huge difference. I mean, that's a, just a great reminder for a lot of us. Yeah. And, you know, cats are not little dogs, right? Cats are that's unique right. metabolically. And so I think it's important, whether it's a dog, cat, or a horse, you know, to have a product that's specifically formulated for an animal because I right. think that product, gives them the maximum probability of achieving the benefit that, that, the, that the pet owner or animal owner, you know, wants to achieve. Absolutely. And that's, and again, more and more uh, research has been showing those things and improving that through. So let me ask you about the pet food. Um, one of the things, can you, can you comment on how to read a pet food ingredient statement and what that means when selecting the best pet food? Yeah, very, um, that's a very good question. So the ingredient statements in pet food, and, and in, um, most people assumed that pet food, they, you know, companies have good manufacturing practice standards in pet food. One would think that's the case, right? right. Well, until the Food Safety Modernization Act, FISMA is the acronym, government loves acronyms. So the Food Safety Modernization Act has just been passed and is, is on an implementation schedule now, there were no good manufacturing practice standards that were nationally required and consistent for pet food. The Food Safety Modernization Act will address that. How can you read a pet food label? 
you know, if you look at the ingredient statement, the, the, the law requires that the ingredients be listed in descending order by predominance. So whatever's first is most, that's listed number one, and then that goes down to the least prevalent ingredient, which would be last. But there are various levels of pet foods. You know, there are, you know, they, pet bags of pet food or, or cans of pet food that cost, you know, some cost a little, some cost more. That's right. And the emergence of premium and super premium diets is certainly, you know, a growth sector now. And but the, but the bottom line is people should read and know how to understand the labels on pet food. Look at what's in there. First ingredient is most. And do some comparison. Be informed. Become educated. You know, I'm just writing this down as we're doing because it's such a good uh, reminder again because I'll tell you, because but looking at those labels um, in those ingredients, sometimes they're like in gibberish, Bill. I mean, it's like, goodness, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, easy for the, for the non-professional to really understand. Right. That's another very good point, David, is, you know, I like labels that are clear and concise and easy to understand. So if you see something on a label that you don't understand, at least go write it down, look it up, and find a Wikipedia analysis exactly. and learn Correct. more. You know, so but just remember, rule of thumb: whatever's number one, that's the most, and whatever's last is the least. And take the time to look at and compare, and really consider the differences in a very expensive bag of super premium dog or cat food, yep. and then compare that down through the price range. And I think the differences will be pretty clear to people if they just take the time to read and understand the labels. That's a great point. Hey, as we wrap up this segment of this uh, of questioning, if you will, what can animal owners that are listening do to support the NASC and the mission to make a difference in the lives of animals? Yeah. So the number one thing I give I give a two part answer. The number one thing that people can do is you know look for a product with the NASC seal. Right. It doesn't mean that company is perfect, but it does mean that somebody has been there, looked around, make sure that company has followed our standards and conducted an on-site audit, and we've checked them out again. It doesn't mean that they're perfect or nothing bad could ever happen, but it does mean that they've met our standards and they're responsible. So when you're buying or selecting a product, look for the NASC seal. The other thing that I would say in part two is, Here's something that I think people can remember and take to the bank. Cheap products are cheap for a reason. And companies that make claims that sound too good to be true probably are. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man, you hit that one right on. Right on. So let's, let's as we kind of get into this final segment of today's show, um, and that's just a great way to put it in. You get what you pay for, and goodness, oh, perfect. So let's talk about this upcoming annual conference you've got at the Horseshoe Bay Resort near Austin. That's next month. When is it, and who should and who could attend? Yeah, so um, I appreciate you mentioning that, David. So the NASC, we have an annual conference, which is really a continuing education program, um, because quality is never a destination. It's a journey. It's it's a requirement and a mindset to engage in a philosophy and embrace a philosophy of continuous improvement. Because we always know more tomorrow than we do today. We know more next month than we did this month. And so it's a continuing education program, really. The other thing is who can attend. Um, Industry members can attend. It's open attendance. The preferred suppliers, which I'm sure we'll talk to about more in the last segment, Really, it's a program for complete supply chain management from raw materials, contract manufacturers, packaging, innovative packaging like ABC Packaging provides, you know, to you have a a very short window of opportunity to gain the the customer's attention and get them to look at your product, right? So the other thing about the conference is we always try to engage and, and give back. So this year, we have the Warrior Dog Foundation. That is, uh, they have rescue dogs for special forces dogs that have served their country and the Warrior Dog Foundation. So we, we try to have a philanthropic activity where we contribute, you know, money and support an organization. The Warrior Dog Foundation is uh, just outside of Dallas. Our meeting this year is just, you know, is in Austin. And uh, so we're supporting the Warrior Dog Foundation this year. And anybody can attend. If somebody just wants to come and support the Warrior Dogs, 
They can attend a portion of the meeting. If they want to come to the entire meeting, they certainly can do that as well. And again, that's one of the things for those of you that are listening that are in the Austin area. I believe the Warrior Dog uh, Foundation is the last day of the NASC um, conference, and it's open to the public if you want to come and learn about the Warrior Dog Foundation. Uh, listen to the keynote speaker that you've got coming, right, Bill? I mean, that's open for the public. It is. Yeah, we have uh, Matt Eversman, which if anybody might recognize that name. In the movie Black Hawk Down, Matt Eversman, uh, oh. Sergeant Eversman was the leader yep. of Chalk 4. And Matt Eversman is coming and speaking about his experience, not just in Mogadishu, but also in Iraq, and how the dogs and the service dogs benefited the soldiers on the ground in, in finding IEDs and things like that and really saving saving lives. Man, I'll tell you what, that's going to be one conference in one speech I don't want to miss. That'll be fantastic. So let's kind of use this last little chunk of time. Um, you've got this great, awesome preferred supplier program that really does not only benefits, it, you, you've got the NASC seal that we've talked extensively about, but tell us more about this preferred supplier program and why it's so important for people to kind of, to, to not kind of, but to, to get involved. Yeah, good question. So, you know, it seems it seems very logical and almost, you know, you think people would just intuitively recognize this. So there were really three components to the NASC program. The first component was taking the companies that sell the brand under their name and label and having good manufacturing practice standards, adverse event reporting, labeling claims, all those things for the companies that sold the products, the brands. Right. But the things that people take for granted, and it seems, you know, they should... If you don't start with quality raw materials, quality manufacturing processes by processes that are repeatable, you get the same outcome, the same every single unit of administration every single time. It it also packaged in important packaging components that preserve the, um, the integrity of the product so you don't have molds or yeast or something like that. Packaging are is important components of that. So those are all critical components that are upstream right. that really affect the product that we see on the shelf. And our goal is then also to educate downstream so the consumer, pet owner, or store, veterinarian can make more informed buying decisions. But upstream suppliers, it's extremely important because that's where quality starts. Correct. Is with the raw materials. Then to the processes that you have to repeat every time to get a consistent outcome. And that becomes the brand or the product that's actually in the package that the consumer sees. Well, and again, it all kind of brings it all together. I mean, again, when you're talking about, we, we kind of glanced over this because we don't have a ton of time. But, you know, uh, uh, people have, the, the consumers will spend about three seconds um, when it comes to choosing a product. And let's face it, you have one chance to really get a, you know, make a good impression. And, but people will never forget if their dog or their cat or whoever doesn't enjoy your particular product, doesn't it doesn't it's not in the flavor you intended. My point is, this preferred supplier program kind of wraps it all together. Again, it's it's a way to build your brand. It's a way to really even if you wanted to to have a it's a premium product. It's a premium product when you've got the NASC seal, uh, and being part of the preferred supplier program is a bonus for anyone involved. It is, and and our intention is to provide value and differentiation to the upstream suppliers, meaning ingredient suppliers, contract manufacturers, critical components like packaging and other services, so that we can also differentiate the quality suppliers and the responsible participants from others in the industry that may be opportunistic. Yeah, without question. And Bill, the NASC, NASC is clearly your passion in your wheelhouse, if you will. What are some of the things that you're most proud of as they relate to the NASC? There's no, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, is it getting this great organization off the ground or getting member companies? What are some of the things that you, Bill Bookout, are most, most proud of? That's a good question, and you didn't set that up ahead of time, but I can tell you <laughs> it is honor and a privilege for me to serve as the president of this organization yeah. because it's so meaningful to me because it's right. so personal. So, you know, I serve at the pleasure of the board of directors, but it's really the members that contribute to this cause that give me the opportunity 
to really do what I came here to do. Yeah, it's and you're making such a huge difference in so many people's lives, and and of course the animals that we all love. You know what I mean? That's right. That's why that's why I do it, David. Is I do it for the animals. I don't do it for the money. I do it because it makes a difference. And you know, if there's one thing I've learned is you know when when I look back and people talk about Bill Bookup, I, I want people to be able to say that guy had passion for what he did. That's right. And I think leadership is the the developed skill of not passionately leading people over a cliff. And that's right. That's why this is so meaningful to me is because together we are making a difference in the lives of millions of animals around yep. the country and around the world every single day. That's why I do it, David. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's a great place for us to wrap up. This has been a great show. Bill, uh, I know our listeners look forward to hearing more about and, and more about this great organization. I hope you'll come back and tell us more about it. Just the one idiot. last comment, if I could. Yeah, sure. Um, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I understand your son has a baseball game today. <laughs> yes, he and does. I wish him the very best at the huge family event. And uh, you go see that ball game, my friend, and, and enjoy the ride because this particular moment in time will never come again. I really appreciate it, brother. When we're done, I'm on my way. Thanks again, Bill. Thanks to our producer, Jamie Berling, our executive producer, Winston Winnie Price, and you for listening. Until next time, everybody, it's your product. Package it properly. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.